I just had to think about it in like a sense of do I want to keep living with this? And the answer was no, like nine out mm-hmm. of ten. And so, yeah, I I um, just had to I had to get over that. And it took a it took a little while. But eventually I just, you know, I just have you just have to do it mm-hmm. and not think about it too much. Hi, everyone. I'm Katini McHenry. And you're joining us today on a new Fuck Fear podcast episode. I'm so glad to welcome my guest today. It's my daughter and she's 13 years old. And when I just said the title of the show, she covered her face. I don't speak like that in front of them. But <laughs> for the sake of the podcast, of course, I have to say the full title to introduce you to what you're listening to. I'm so glad to welcome her. She has gone through um, her own, um, I guess her own path and journey of uh, recognizing the fear that has encompassed her and also recently learned how to overcome that. So we have had lots of discussions in the past several weeks and actually months about her own fear that she's faced um, with a narcissistic parent. And so I thought it appropriate to invite her on the show today because she is wise beyond her years, and it has been a delight and a joy to converse with her and really understand and and really learn how intelligent and aware she is of things of the world and also personality types. So she's been able to come through her own metamorphosis of finding her strength and learning to be more empowered. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome my daughter, Alessandra, whom we call Sweet Pea. Now everybody knows. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Hi, Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes. I'm so excited, Sweet Pea. I know. Yesterday, we were in the car talking about a big thing that she's done in her life, and she wrote her dad a letter, basically telling him how she feels. So I've started out each podcast asking my guest, what are you afraid of? So Sweet Pea, what are you afraid of? Well, I was just mainly afraid of my dad getting mad at me or coming after me or coming after you because he usually will take things out on you. And I knew that if I had said something to him or telling him that I did not want to associate with him anymore which is basically what I wrote in the email I knew that he was going to be mad at me I knew I was might receive angry emails back I knew that um you might receive angry emails and so I just didn't want that to happen so my solution to avoiding all of that was just to not say anything and that is not that was that only lasted for a couple months because it just kind of ate me alive you know mm-hmm. it just kept like it was like in the back of my head like you know, maybe we should tell him or maybe we should call him, you know, but, um, you recommended I do email. So everything is in writing and, um, he can't twist the story or interrupt and I have evidence. So, yeah. So tell me how difficult that has been for you and recognizing what the fear is and you're just 13. So there are, Um, You don't have all the tools to be able to deal with somebody who is of that personality. And you also, it's your parents. So there is a loyalty that children feel towards their parent, no matter what the personality is. So tell me just in the last year or so, since quarantine, actually, 
um, and through the, the last year and, and the incident of last year, how you've been able to come through that? Well, over the years, he has definitely gaslighted me a lot. And as getting to about 11 and 12 years old and I had to start um, when my like I started maturing and I had to grow out of feeling like it was my fault because it wasn't. But he he made me feel like that's that was the deal. And so I was being gaslighted a lot when I was younger. And so as I was growing, I made that made me feel very anxious about um, hurting people's feelings because he made me feel like telling him that I didn't want to go to his house or visit him would be hurting his feelings. And so I just had to grow out of that, mostly feeling like it was my fault and I was going to hurt him because I knew that he would be angry at me regardless if I told him that I didn't want to be around him. I just had to think about it in like a sense of do I want to keep living with this and the answer was no like nine out mm -hmm. of ten and so yeah I I um just had to I had to get over that and I, it took a it took a little while but eventually I just you know I just have you just have to do it mm -hmm. and not think about it too much so you were telling me recently in regards to the letter let's go back to that the email that you that you wrote you, there there was a lot it took a lot for you to get to the point of just writing the email so you talked about just what you were fearful of so each of those fears are individual fears so how did you work through that and how did you um, work up the courage to just sit down and write it well, because I just thought about it and my individual fears didn't measure up as much as to what I would be dealing with if I didn't tell him. And so all my individual fears were just little things that I knew were going to happen. I just had to tell myself, like, this is going to happen regardless. And that's not a reason to stay silent about it because it's just going to keep going. It's just going to keep happening if I don't say anything. So I have to do this now. I feel like I felt like if I just do it now, the my the rest of my teen years would be much more peaceful and easier because, you know, teen years have already been stressful enough with just the pandemic and everything. Mm -hmm. And if I could if I could drop a lot of stress, then, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, that just it, it, it makes me emotional because lots of adults and I was telling you, even me. It took a long time to come to the place where you have come mentally, as far as your mental health goes and realizing, realizing how important your mental health is and how important internal peace is. I wasn't able to express that, what you just expressed until I was an adult. So the fact that you've been able to do it as a 13 year old is really incredible. And it makes me very emotional because you are so far ahead of you are so far ahead in terms of how you're going to take care of yourself. And I don't have any worries about you. You are strong. You are empowered. You are vocal and you're incredible and your strength is incredible. And so you inspire me. I feel like many times, and I'm so proud of you for being able to find your own voice. And that's what this 
project. That's what my mission has been ever since I wrote the first book was I got to the point of being so tired of being silent and the silence was killing me. And so I am so proud of you for finding your voice early in your life and realizing that you can make a difference in your own life. It doesn't really matter what somebody else is going to think or feel like you have to find your own strength. And so you have been able to find that strength and not let what you think and what you anticipate and what you expect somebody else is going to think or feel, not let that stop you from doing the thing that you need to do for your own mental health and your own peace of mind, your own peace of mind. And that's so important. I'm so proud of you. Because, yeah, I just knew that having to endure this wasn't fair to me at all. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't fair for it wasn't fair for anyone to endure at all. And so and so I just thought like all these little what ifs, what ifs are always hypothetical. So I wasn't I decided that it was pointless to be worried about all these hypotheticals that, you know, they're hypotheticals. There's the the what if phrase can have billions and billions of sentences and possibilities to follow that. And so I couldn't be worried about the what ifs. I just had to do it and then see it for myself because I just got tired of it. I just got tired of what was continuing to happen because I wasn't saying anything because no one was saying anything. And I found that my secret, my secret weapon was the fact that I am a child Mm -hmm. because I am protected. I have to be protected by law until I'm 18. And so since I have to be protected, um, verbal abuse from your parent is not going to hold up well in family court. Mm -hmm. So I just found that um, me being a child could be my secret weapon when telling him that um, telling him that I didn't want to be with him because I children, I don't have any say Mm -hmm. in what the judge decide. But if I tell him like as a ch- like cuz i'm a child so i'm under your control i don't have complete control over everything that happens in my life and so that was my secret weapon that he can't come after me personally mm-hmm. because i am a child and i have to be protected and so i knew that i could use that to tell him and if he decided to come after me then that would just look bad for him mm-hmm. so that was my secret weapon mm-hmm. cuz i'm not an adult yet and children especially teenagers don't uphold well to being yelled at um especially teenagers i've seen because we're still you know we're still developing Mm -hmm. so to a family court judge verbal abuse to your 13 year old daughter would not make you look like a fit parent and so i figured i could that was my secret weapon so i was like so i just thought if i just let him say these things I just got, it wasn't offending me anymore. It was just disappointing me. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, I'm just going to let him say these things to me. And then I can, because I can always just screenshot that. And I will have it saved. Because if he says those things to me, and then you do bring it to a family court situation, that's not going to make him look good. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I was just thinking that if I tell him now, and he lashes out at me, then I may never have to, I may actually never have to talk to him again Mm -hmm. because he's verbally abusing me. How do you know those terms? Gaslighting, um, manipulation. How do you, how do you know these things? Well, in fact, we had, when I was in seventh grade, 
our counselors would come every so often, and one of the little class, the at little, school, yes, counselors at school, the counselors yeah. at school every, one of the little teaching segments that they had was noticing toxic traits of people and toxic friends. And so they were like, you guys are starting to mature, so you guys are going to need these so you don't end up with the wrong people. And I learned the term manipulation from that course and the term gaslighting. And so I started to notice some things that were similarities Mm -hmm. in toxic traits and my father. And so I started to notice these things and I started to learn what gaslighting was, which is just making someone seem like it's not your fault. And I was like, he does that. He does that all the time and manipulation he does that all the time. So I just found these terms and I, th- they associated with him. And that's how I was able to see that this was really not normal because he made me feel like he was normal by tr- like doing it to me while I was still young and growing. Mm-hmm. Like he tried to groom me and grow me to believe that he was okay. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that he wasn't because when I started s- socializing with other friends and I'd go to their houses and I would meet their parents and they were nothing like him mm-hmm. so I just thought well my mom's this way and my dad's this way but then I realized that no parents that I had met were like him so when you recognize those things what were can you pinpoint any specific things like incidents that you noticed that you could associate not just the terms gaslighting but notice the um, the personality traits of a toxic person. What what were some very specific things? So, do you want to say like specific things that he does, or like an incident where I noticed that Both. he was gaslighting me? Both. Okay, so as particular incident, I have a serious allergy to peanuts, and the just the touch of touching a nut or touching peanut butter will give me a reaction, mm-hmm. and so I have to be very careful when I go over to his house because he really likes peanut butter. But he refuses to put it away or he'll still use it while I'm there. So that's really dangerous for me. But And I have to be really careful. So um, my brothers and I were taking turns doing the dishes. And it was me and my oldest brother's turn. And so we were doing the dishes. We were um, unloading the silverware and loading, putting silverware in. And so it was my job to put the silverware in after my brother had taken all of it out. Mm-hmm. So I was putting silverware in. And then my brother noticed that I had hives all up my arm. And he asked me if I was having just like an eczema breakout, if my skin was dry. And then I was like, no. And it started to itch. It started to burn, which only happens when I'm having a reaction. So we looked down and there was one of the spoons had peanut butter, which was in water that also that was mm. spreading around, um, spreading around. So I was sticking my hands into that over mm-hmm. and over and then touching other parts of my body. And so... My oldest brother kind of freaked out because we didn't have the EpiPen and we didn't have Benadryl. And so he called my dad and my dad came in and he told me to like, and he sh- I showed him my arm where the hives were bad. And I was kind of freaking out because it was hurting and it was allergic reaction to peanuts, which is the most serious reaction I have. And he was telling me, was like, well, why weren't you paying attention? Well, why, why did you do the dishes um, without knowing about any of these things. But I was like, I didn't know that he was using peanut butter because mm-hmm. I thought that he was put it away when I was coming, when I knew, when he knew that I was coming. So I just assumed that because I thought that would be a normal thing to do. Like if a person with an allergy is coming to your house, obviously you wouldn't use that thing. Right. 
And so my brother helped me out because he wasn't, daddy wasn't doing anything. And so my brother just told me just to take a shower and give me the clothes, to give him the clothes I was wearing so he could wash them. And then I put on some cortisone and um, we found some Benadryl. I took half a Benadryl and I went to sleep. And when I woke up, I was fine. So that was just the first, that was just the first instance where I felt like that was really upsetting to me because I was having an allergic reaction and I was kind of freaking out. And instead of trying to calm me down and say, hey, we're going to, you're going to be, you're going to be fine. You know how it usually goes when I have a reaction. He told me that it was my fault that I was having this reaction. And I was like, it's not my fault I'm having this reaction because I avoid peanut butter at all costs. Mm -hmm. I do my best. And so I would never put myself in a situation where I know that there's a chance of me having a reaction. And so the fact that I still had one at, at his house where he's supposed to be protecting me really rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And then other instances, like you mean it like a personality trait? Yeah. Based on what you learned at school and kind of the things that we've talked about, what are some of the other things you noticed that the counselors at school made made you aware and you were able to associate certain behaviors with what they were saying yeah so they said that toxic people or people who bully are often insecure themselves and they do the thing called projecting which is where they just they just be they're mean to people about the very same things that they're insecure about Mm -hmm. and so i started to notice certain things where he would do like really weird things like he would buy all he would buy like exercise equipment but never use it or anything or he would just it was like really weird things where I started to get the sense that he was insecure because I didn't feel like he would be confident in himself if he was constantly blaming others because I felt like if you were if you were level-headed and if you had a good self-esteem and you could like notice fault that you've done and just like being a regular good person, being able to have empathy. And um, and then this another trait was toxic people usually lack empathy. And I noticed that he was not he was lacking in empathy, just like the situation where I had had an allergic reaction and he immediately started asking me what I had done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, why would you say that to me? I'm the one having the reaction. Mm-hmm. And so. I was just, I started to notice that as well. And um, so I was, I started to notice that he was lacking empathy. He didn't ask me how I was feeling, how I was doing, if I was okay. Mm -hmm. And I was freaking out. I thought that, I really thought that I was going, I was, might go into anaphylactic shock, which is very scary. And most of the time I just had to, when I noticed that he wasn't helping me or he didn't have empathy, I just had to stop asking him for help because mm. I knew I wasn't going to get it. So I either learned to do them by myself or I'd ask my older brother who already knew how to do household chores like um, plunging the toilet or doing the laundry, which are things I didn't know how to do at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I would either ask my older brothers who knew how to do household um, chores or I would just learn how to do it myself by watching YouTube or going on Pinterest, which has like cool little like life hacks, that mm-hmm, kind of thing, mm-hmm. easier ways to do things. As a mother, things like this are so hard to hear because you do everything in your power to protect your children from potentially dangerous um, and toxic situations. And so there were 
concerns that I had every time you guys went to visit, but I had to let you go. You know, I had to let you go there. So hearing these things and you guys, you know, don't always tell me everything that has happened because you don't want me to be upset. And I understand that 100%. And I'm so sorry that you had to endure the things that you endured, but I'm glad you're okay. And I'm just thankful that I'm thankful at how aware you are and I'm thankful every day that you're safe and that your brothers are safe and that you have newfound knowledge based on what your counselors and thank you counselors at her school who, who find it important to have these conversations with the children because teenage years, middle school is hard and I never had that. I never had counselors come in our classroom and, and speak to us about how to recognize bad friends and, and, and empowering children to be okay with not being friends with everybody and realizing that not everybody wants to be your friend. That's a really hard, um, that's a really hard situation in, in middle school, a really hard situation in life is to go through these social, um, social trauma because of, you know, just the, 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 the sometimes wild nature of adolescence <laughs> and you don't know why things are happening and you don't know what you're supposed to do in situations and you don't know how to, um, how to be confident in your own self and you're confident in your own feelings when you're not being treated well. So kudos to her counselors and teachers for, speaking to the children about these very important topics, because those are things that a lot of us who grew up in the seventies and eighties, we didn't have those tools to empower us to have healthy interactions with other human beings, especially when we're not being treated well. So I'm so glad that you have those skills. So now that you are just a few days from hitting send on that email, and it's more than hitting send, I think hitting send is the action. But the metaphor that has led up to your hitting send has been you finding your way to not only internal peace, but finding strength and empowerment in your own self. And, and I hope you've realized how important your voice is, because that's what I want for each of my children is for them to find their voice and also realize that they have the power to protect their own heart and their soul and their mind and realizing that you have that power comes from within. So now that you've been able to step into something that gives you strength, what is your thinking or your, your internal feeling now that you've been able to step outside of that fear and, and look back at it. And Ooh. I see you take a deep breath yeah. before you speak. And that says everything. Just writing that draft felt really good. Finishing the draft and then editing it so I'm making sure I didn't miss anything. I wanted to include everything in that email because I wasn't going to talk to him again. I, play, I was planning on it. Can you summarize what the email said? So basically first I told him that I this was how I was feeling and this was my these are my own feelings. Mm -hmm. And then I told him that I was tired of being gaslighted and manipulated and I was tired of being used to try to hurt you 
because that was another thing I was really upset about, that he was trying to use my brothers and I to try to get to you, mm-hmm. try to get get you to agree to things you didn't want to agree to. I was told him I was tired of that. I told him I was tired of not feeling safe while I was there. I told him I was tired of constantly being in defense mode just in case something happens and I needed to be ready and there. I, w- I was telling him that I was tired of him trying to get Emmanuel to choose between both sides. That's your older brother. Yes, Emil is my older brother. Um, I was tired of him trying to use Emmanuel as well because Emmanuel, it's not fair to Emmanuel. He has better things, to, better things to be doing with his with his brain mm-hmm. and his heart and his soul. So it's not fair to him. I told him that he had he had time to be a father because I've been alive for thirteen years, mm-hmm. and so he's had time to do things that fathers do. And I was telling him like he never came to any events. I had plenty of plays. I had plenty of school ceremonies. I had plenty of church ceremonies. I had plenty of events that he could have gone to and been there. I had like science fairs. I had little art shows at school. All these things that you were always there for. And sometimes even my grandparents were there for, but never him. My grandparents don't even live here. Mm-hmm. And so I told I told him that and I, I told him not to come after you after this email goes out. I told him to don't try to call me because I was going to block him if he tried that. And I told him that this would probably be the end of us talking to each other. And I, and I told him that that wasn't my fault, that this was the last conversation that we may have. Wow. You guys, a lot of us need to do that as adults. <laughs> block the toxicity, block that person, and not only just block them, but feel good about it afterwards and not feel guilty because I think so many women men included where they have been manipulated they have been abused and so they feel some loyalty to the abuser and when they finally get to the point where they're tired of the abuser so beat down and after they they set boundaries you have set strong boundaries and that's so important as an adult let alone a child And I think many times when people set boundaries, they've been beat down for so long, they feel bad that they have cut that person off. But doing the thing, setting boundaries, and then being confident after you've done it and not being fearful of the aftermath or the backlash, because with a toxic person, there's always backlash. You talked about that in the beginning, sweet, where you said that's one of the things you were afraid of. You were afraid of him coming after you. But now that you've stepped into your power, and recognize your power. You're not fearful anymore of that backlash because it's going to happen. But being confident in your decision has given you more power and the toxic person sees that and they seize your newfound strength. And that's what makes them just, just clouded with their own insanity. It, it clouds their judgment. It clouds their thought. It clouds their actions and they act erratic when they see that you've stepped into your power because their goal is to continue to beat you down and continue to manipulate you so they can have ultimate control. But you have stepped into your power and I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And so this has been a really, this has been just not only enlightening, but this has been such a blessing for me to watch 
your evolution and watch this happen and not step in and say anything, but to be there for you when you wanted to talk about how you were feeling on the inside. And as a mom who loves her children with every ounce of fiber and every nerve that I have in every blood cell, and it was so hard to listen to these things. And the best thing I knew how to do was to help you realize that what you were experiencing was not right and not normal. And so I never wanted to badmouth your dad, but I wanted to be there to answer the questions that you had and to talk through it with you. And so I'm so glad that we have this relationship where we can talk openly. And I'm so glad that you feel comfortable and confident and loved enough to come to me and talk to me about it. And I'm so sorry that you had to experience those things. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Well, my main thing. So this is what I did. So I've talked to you about how when you went, when you were married to him. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you know, you're legally binded and it's hard to divorces are lengthy and sometimes hard 10 years and I'm yeah. still going through <laughs> craziness with him we've been divorced 10 years and he still is suing Crazy. me again but I'm sorry go ahead <laughs> so I just want to say that when toxic people are losing control they go crazy mm -hmm. so if it feels like you being you're being bombarded more than you ever have before it's because they're losing control and they're trying to regain it as quick as they can and that makes them lose their minds mm -hmm. and so that's what happened to me where I started to set the first boundary which was telling him that I was going to move with you from Alabama to Texas and I wasn't going to split the family apart. That's another thing he tried to do when he was, when um, he was told that we were moving to Texas and it was the last visitation before we left. He tried to involve us in some kind of court case by saying, if you guys don't want to move to Texas, I will fight for you. And he tried to use us being sad about leaving our friends and leaving a place where we had been for a long time. He tried to use our sadness about that to try to use it against you. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to leave my school and my friends, but I also don't want to leave my mom. So it's, you know, it's not worth staying in a small town like the one that we left. And so that was what I was thinking. And when we talk about how you were married to him and the main mistake you made or the one thing you wish you did was say something earlier. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I think about that, I was thinking I can't make the same mistake two generations in a row Yes, with the same person. Yes. So I was like, my mom is going through it. My mom went through it, still going through it. So I was thinking I can't do the, make the same mistake that she told me not to make yeah. by not saying anything. Like she told me like, you know, the whole, if you see something, say something like I can't, I can't make the mistake again of me not standing up to him because he, he's going to see that he's going to use that. And I think my main piece of advice to anyone dealing with toxic family members or just a toxic person, I found that it was hard with a family member because they're related to you, especially yeah. a close, such a close relation as your father who aided in your birth, you know, mm -hmm. he's the reason that part of the reason why you're here. And so I found that he used that against me. Like you're my only daughter you're my only little girl, mm -hmm. that thing. And he's like, I always wanted a little girl. And like, he tried to be like, you're, you're taking, like, you know, you're taking my little girl away from me. Where's my little girl? You know, that kind of thing. And I was like, no, I'm not your little girl anymore because you've been horrible to me. And so I would say for my piece of advice, just ask yourself these questions. Number one, is this worth my time and energy? 
Number two, do they deserve my time and energy? And then the third question is all this frustration, stress, annoyingness, sadness, like crying, tears, is all the anger and tears and stress, are they worth it? So just think about that. And the answer to all those questions was no. Mm -hmm. He wasn't worth my stress and my time. He wasn't worth my energy. And he didn't deserve it. So the answer to all those questions was no. And even if it's two out of three, they're gone. Mm -hmm. So just, I was just saying, don't, that's their goal to make you feel bad about not wanting to be around them. But just be like, just be like, no, I'm not doing this. No, this is not worth my time. Like your time, like I knew practicing, I had like practicing self-confidence and knowing your self-worth and self-love I had Mm. I was practicing that and I had I had grown up with confident female role models so I never I never really felt insecure about my body or anything like that so I already was had self-love and enough self-confidence to stand up even a little bit so I just thought that I know my self-worth and another thing, self-worth and self-love isn't selfish. Right. Toxic people make oh you feel gosh, like that. right? So having self-worth and self-love is not selfish, number one. Toxic people, that's their goal, to make you feel like that. Mm-hmm. So you just have to know your self-worth. You have worth. And any normal good person has enough self-worth that it's not, they're not worth a toxic person. Right. Toxic people, it's not... It's not worth it. It's not the time, the energy, the annoyance, the stress, the crying, the tears, everything. It's not worth it. Right. Because in the end, it's just going to be keep a circle round and round and round. Yep. They'll try to make you feel, they'll try to make you feel bad. They'll make them feel like, they'll make you feel like they're the real victim. They'll pull you back into it. Oh my it. gosh. They'll pull yeah. you back into it. They continue to treat you horribly. Yep. So that's what I had, that's what I had to do. I tried to get out of it when I was younger around 11 years old and then he tried to make me feel horrible by saying you're my only daughter you know you're my only little girl and I was like yeah but I'm mama's little girl too Mm -hmm. and I'm mama's only daughter as well so she doesn't deserve to see her daughter going through this right and so like and I was saying it's like yeah I may be your only little girl but the difference is you did this to me yeah and so all my other family members especially my mother who gave birth to me doesn't deserve to see her daughter going through this her only daughter right but the thing the thing the thing that you're in the wrong because you did this to your only daughter Mm -hmm. that's where you're wrong wow i'm still someone's daughter but the point is you did this to your daughter Mm -hmm. i didn't do this to you (sighs) we could end it right there (laughs) advice from a 13 almost 14 year old y'all i there there's nothing more for me to add Except to think about how you feel when you're around that person. And if that person does not make you feel good, and if that person takes your joy away by the things they do and say, then you have to start thinking about getting over your fear of getting out of that relationship. And it could be with anybody, a parent, a spouse, a significant other, someone at work, your boss, the, the the people you associate with, your friends, toxic people are everywhere. And so I am so proud. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of my daughter. She is amazing. And you know what? I don't have any worries about you. 
you are going to be freaking fine, okay? Can I give you, one more piece of advice? Yes, please. So if you ever watched Marie Kondo, there is the Japanese form of cleaning and getting rid of waste. Is if it doesn't bring you joy, throw it away. Yes. So you can, she applies that to clutter in your house, but you can also apply it to people. That's right. So if you're having an interaction and it doesn't bring you joy or even like the thought of the person, seeing the person, talking to the person, mm. if it doesn't bring you joy, then throw it out. The Japanese method of cleaning is very efficient, as the Japanese are, but <laughs> yes. it's very efficient. You can use it with uh, material things and people. It works. I didn't. It, Daddy didn't bring me joy, so I dropped him. <laughs> he got kicked to the curb. Boom! And on that note, we're dropping the mic. Hey! <laughs> Thank you, sweet. We call her Sweet Pea. I've called her Sweet Pea ever since she was a baby. I thought that at this point we would be out of calling her Sweet Pea. I no. tried to do that in sixth grade when she went to sixth grade, but we still call her Sweet Pea. So now the rest of you know her it name sticks. is Alessandra. <laughs> I'm so thankful of just your level of intelligence. You are incredible. You are smart and you are prepared for what's ahead in so many ways. And I am so proud to call you my daughter. Girl, you're going to be fine. Okay. <laughs> Thank you everyone for joining us today on another episode of Close Your Ears. Fuck fear. <laughs> the podcast where you recognize your fear and we talk through ways of living a more free and peaceful life. Thank you for listening. I'm Katinya McHenry, joined by my daughter, Sweet Pea, Alessandra. We will see you on the next episode. Have a great day, everybody. Find your voice and find your peace and close your ears. Fuck fear. Have a great day. Mm -hmm. <laughs>